Rogers Business App Market brings together the right apps for your business and wraps it all up with Rogers world-class support. Microsoft Office 365 makes it easy. Whether you need to securely store and backup files, access or share documents in the cloud, collaborate with your team or manage your business from anywhere and on any device. Plus, with support from Rogers, you'll get everything up and running quickly. To learn more, visit rogers.com forward slash business apps. Scotiabank understands that business is personal and your business has unique needs. That's why we offer flexible solutions for your business banking. Create your own business banking package that works for you by opening an account online in minutes with ease and start saving today. Visit scotiabank.com forward slash small business to get started. Here to give you a first-hand glimpse into the future of Canadian business, it's Rivers Corbett on the Startup Canada podcast. Welcome to the Startup Canada podcast, a show serving Canada's entrepreneurship community. On this show, we connect you with the most innovative and entrepreneurial movers, shakers, and change makers across Canada. With day-in-the-life stories and in-their-shoes experiences, we dive into the true grit of running startup and scale-up companies and those driving the entrepreneurial movement. The Startup Canada podcast show is a production of Startup Canada, the national rallying community for Canada's 2.3 million entrepreneurs. If you are a regular show listener, welcome back. If you're new to the program, hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show on iTunes and Google Play Music and visit startupcan.ca to connect with both your local startup community and to join Startup Canada to access training, resources, and a peer network to grow your success. I'm Rivers Corbett and entrepreneurship is part of my DNA. Whether it's building my own companies or helping other entrepreneurs build theirs, this is my Lane. Want to connect after the podcast? You can find me at www.meetrivers.com. All right, ladies and gentlemen, you're in for a real treat today. Well, then again, when aren't you in a real treat when you're hanging out with us at the Startup Canada podcast? But this lady is an award-winning Indo-Canadian film producer. It's Komal Minhas, and she has a passion for women and girls' rights, which led her to produce and distribute Dream Girl. Dream Girl is an aspiring film that tells the stories of women entrepreneurs and was premiered at the White House as part of the United States of Women Summit in 2016. Only the White House. <laughs> Cornwall's journey took off in 2014 when she first made a documentary about her time teaching Palestinian students. Since then, she has created a variety of short films documenting the young women, which can be found as original content on YouTube. At only 23 Three years young, Como founded her first company, Comedia. Como started Comedia as a platform to share real, complicated, and empowering stories of women and girls around the world. Today's podcast, Como will share how she channeled her calling into her own entrepreneurial success story and how her passion for human rights has inspired and educated women around the world. I love doing this. This is a great job being the host. Welcome to the show, Como. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. 
Yeah, well, it's so great to have you. And uh, I mean, I, I love that introduction and I, I love the journey you're on and I love the impact you're you're, you're doing just from the introduction. But it, uh, this is how we always start the show. It's going to be about you and your journey. And what are you hoping that at the end of the show, people walk away from? I hope people walk away feeling like they can do things a little differently uh, than they traditionally do and that they can think outside of the box and, and find success there and their version of success there. So I hope that it's a little bit of a pause in their day and that uh, they can connect pretty deeply with both you and I uh, through today's chat. Ah, very cool. Very cool. So look, the best content comes from the heart. And why did you decide to take your, your personal experiences and, and make them public? I think it's, I think it's, 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 I think it's a great thing to do, first of all, but sometimes personal experiences, they can be kind of uh, frightening and about whether or not you want to take them public. Can you tell us about that journey? Absolutely. Um, I am a millennial. And as we've heard time and again, uh, millennials are the quote unquote oversharers of each of each successive generation. And um, I am no different. Uh, growing up, I, I saw a lot of color and diversity in my upbringing. I uh, was raised by an Indo-Canadian family. My parents immigrated in the 70s. My dad and uncle started their first business in 1974. And from there it grew. And I saw this kind of untraditional story unfolding in my own household. And as I got older, I realized that, you know, I was collecting these incredible stories and witnessing so many incredible stories around me from the people mm. I was meeting every day, from the family members that I had. And I was bursting with energy and with things that I wanted to share with the world. And so when it came to telling my own story, um, I, I first started by telling other stories when I studied journalism in university. And it was through understanding storytelling, filmmaking, writing, um, podcasting, radio, uh, all these different venues for sharing media and storytelling that I really realized, you know, like this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And, and when it came to sharing my own journey, um, you know, stories are meant to be told. And, and I feel like, especially in this generation, um, it's very cathartic to be able to share your story as you go through life and very therapeutic. Mm. And mm. Uh, that was really the heart of what made me want to share a lot of what my personal experiences have been so publicly. And what you, uh, just curious, what was your, what were the family businesses back in the seventies? Yeah, so my dad uh, and uncle started working at a pulp mill for Procter & Gamble uh, up in northern Alberta, which is where I was born and raised in Grand Prairie, Alberta. Right. And they bought their first logging truck together, and then that turned into <laughs> a fleet of trucks, and then that turned into real estate, hotels, car dealerships, um, and they've continued to grow and scale. <laughs> so the I true entrepreneurial immigrant story. <laughs> what do they think about you on your journey right now? You know, it's really funny because I've kind of taken a, a you know, my my brother's at home working with my dad and helping manage the family businesses. And I've kind of gone on a separate path. It's like the platform mm. and the, the life that my parents built for, for themselves. They wanted to enable us to not have to struggle as much as them, obviously, because their struggle is, is I can't even, it's inconceivable to me how mm. much they had to sacrifice, but it's allowed me to go down an entirely different path. Like the whole digital space, my parents don't fully understand, but they support me going down this path and most recently investing. Um, and, you know, I invested in a company that recently went public uh, with the help of my parents and it was a, a great return for us. So that was Wonderful. a new foray for my parents as well. So they're excited yeah. about everything we're doing. 
Yeah, of course. When they get a return on an investment, that's even nicer, right? When that exactly. happens. So, and they, of course, they get a return on investment with the investment they're making in you. And and mm-hmm. I, I love the fact that you reference about the uh, the personal stories. I mean, when you really look at society, you look at, you know, us as kids, everybody, we all were brought up with story time. And mm-hmm. uh, it's kind of interesting how we, as we get older, we can get more mature. We think we need to get away from that, what captivated our hearts and and minds when we were younger to tell again the story again and again. Why, why do you think that that people are are? I mean, you've obviously recognized that uh, opportunity to to build something with, and and we're going to dig a little deeper in that in a second. But why do you think people get away from storytelling when it has such magic attached to it? I feel like it's because as a society we don't value the our hearts. We don't value what's really driving us, like our passions and our why. And when you ask someone, like if you were to sit down with a stranger and my fiance and I, we really like befriending like anyone that we run into. So we really like to capture and ask like, what's your story? Like, where are you from? And so often all people want is someone to ask them, like, how are you? Letting them know that they are seen, letting them know that they are heard. And I find that if public figures and when public figures share their stories from the heart, their experiences, like look at Tony Robbins, look at Oprah, mm. it enables others to also share their own. And that level of connection is what we at the heart of society, like that's what's going to help us progress forward in a really meaningful way. And so I think stories are at the heart of everything. If you look at societally, culturally, oral traditions go back, you know, Aboriginal cultures, Indigenous Uh cultures, that's how we as humans connect and communicate. So for us to deviate from that is actually us deviating from our own human nature. That's so interesting. I, I, um, you know, as you were, as you were going through this, the, uh, that, that, uh, um, reflection, I, I always like to take at least one thing out of, out of the, uh, conversations I have with my guest and, uh, you hit one really early for me. So I know I'm going to get other golden nuggets, but instead of saying, what do you do say to people, what's your story? Mm-hmm. And one, just one, first of all, uh, turn, uh, watch the reaction. Cause they're not going to quite understand what you're talking about when Absolutely. you say it. But then all of a sudden they say, you're my story. Well, it's my story, but you're life. So I just think it's a magical intro for, uh, for people to, uh, to really do that. So, so thank you for sharing that with me. When you started, um, when you started co-media, when you started your journey of telling stories, did you have a sense as to how you're going to make money off of it? Or you just said, no, I'm just going to run with it and see what happens. You know, I feel like um, coming from a traditional business background and seeing like, you know, brick and mortar stores or what my parents did and like logging, Mm. like I would see the logging trucks every day and, you know, hotels, it's transactional, car dealerships, it's transactional and physical. And I was so apprehensive and nervous early (laughs) on because I was like, how am I going to turn this into a legitimate career path? I mean, I feel like every journalism student now feels the same way, every person who's going through film school. But then there's this deep reminder that like, if you look at the entertainment industry and the film industry specifically, Uh. they are some of the largest industries financially in the world. And you're seeing films being financed now for three, $400 million. And that money is going towards 
storytelling. Um, So I would always have to remind myself of that. And, you know, Dream Girl, we did an independent distribution model with the film. My co-founder is now starting a distribution company to continue that model forward. Um, And there's a viability there in terms of artists need to know that their art is valuable and that there should be a price tag attached to it. And I know there's a lot of people who feel differently about this, but, you know, you see the Cheryl Straits, whose personal memoir became one of the biggest films of that year. And the stories go on and on and on. And it's like, we need as artists have to value our product, our productivity, which is our artistic output. Um, and if we do that, if we believe that as individuals, then I believe that that monetary return will come if you're smart, strategic and execute in, in strategic ways. Right. But, and, but there's still the, the hard knocks you have to go through to getting, you know, your brand recognized to getting yourself networked into the community. I and mean, I, I was listening to something the other day on the radio station, they were talking about uh, I, I, the beginnings of the, 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 this guy that played the role Superman, I think was mm-hmm. the story, or maybe it was the Wonder Woman movie. Anyway, how, how one of them years ago made like $20 million. And now this person only made $300,000. And, and uh, how do you, how do you talk? How do you, uh, I guess, justify that difference for a similar role? You know, so that actually was, um, there was an article that debunked that article. So it's Henry Cavill, who's Superman, and it's um, Gal there Gadot, you go. who is Wonder Woman. Of course you would know, you'd call me out on that one. I love it. <laughs> um, yeah. so, she, so she was paid $200,000 per film in the Wonder Woman franchise and Justice League franchise. And Henry okay. Cavill was actually paid similarly. Um, but the way the media portrayed it was his bulk sum versus the broken up amounts per film. Um, uh, so it's uh, the, the uh, studio actually wasn't necessarily in fault there. Um, it's more, again, journalists have to have a certain amount of uh, fact checking. And I know this Mm. in my journalism program, if we ever misstated a fact, we'd get a zero on our assignment. Mm. Unfortunately, Mm. that's not how journalism works now. Um, But it's a lot more clickbaity. But I feel like, you know, we, but that aside, yes, there is still, you know, pay gaps and gender inequity uh, is a huge part of how people are paid. I saw this funny tweet today where it was like, instead of doing a gender reveal party, can we break open two piggy banks that are, you know, blue and pink (laughs) when a baby's born and have one have 78 cents and the other one a dollar? And, you know, I I think that there is still a lot of work left to do. But in this particular instance and with the trailblazing that Wonder Woman has done as a film in the industry, it's now the largest grossing film in the entire DC Universe franchise. Um, It speaks volumes to the type of storytelling that we need more of, which is why we made Dream Girl and which is also why we had an all female crew for Dream Girl. Yeah, so could you give us a nickel tour of Dream Girl, if you could, please? I'd love to uh, learn more about it. And uh, just if you again, the nickel tour, because we've got a lot of other questions here. But I, I, I think it's I think it's pretty special, and I, it, and I'd like to learn more about it. It was life changing for me. So uh, August 2014, I got a, an email in my inbox from an online entrepreneur I follow, Marie Forleo, and she was uh, sharing a Kickstarter campaign for a film called Dream Girl. Um, and so I clicked through, and I saw this Kickstarter trailer of four minutes long um, and I was hooked. It was a film about female entrepreneurs. Uh, The director, Erin Bagwell, was doing a call to arms to help her produce this film. She was trying to raise $57,000 to create the film. But at the end of that 30 days with the help of Marie Forleo, uh, she raised over $100,000 through the Mm. Kickstarter campaign. And that was over 2,000 Kickstarter backers, including myself. And so when I saw that Kickstarter trailer, I knew in my heart I was meant to work on this project. And I was actually in Italy on a vacation and Uh I looked to my uh, partner, Mitch, and I said, you know, I'm going to do this. I'm going to help this 
woman, I have $10,000 in my bank account and I'm putting all of it into this film. I need to get her attention. So I reached out to her, sent her an email. We got on Skype. And then two and a half years later, um, <laughs> here we are. <laughs> and the oh, film, it's, it. it was really like one of those like gut reaction, like, oh my God, I have to do this. Like, this is something mm. I have to help support and amplify. And Aaron was the creative visionary behind it. And I just knew I had to put myself in place to support her so that there were certain things she didn't have to worry about so that mm. she could focus on creative and so that we could leverage this thing and not only make a film about female entrepreneurship and highlight diversity. Four of our five main characters were women of color in and around New York City and from Canada, but also mm. show that there's a viability to female films and a market for this. And, you know, we've had over 250 screenings globally of the film in the past year alone and made well over $100,000 uh, on our distribution model. So it's mm. been greatly successful so far. How does, uh, for our audience, coast to coast, um, BC to Newfoundland, how does, how can they, uh, how can they see dream girl? Uh, so you can reach out to uh, the dream girl team, uh, Aaron at dreamgirlfilm.com or head over to the website and request a viewing of the film. I'm also working on organizing a tour across Canada for next year. Um, wow, great. so I'm hoping to go community to community. So if there's anyone out there listening who wants to bring me and the film to the, your community, please do reach out. Komal at comedia.ca shameless plug <laughs> <laughs> no it's not shameless at all it's very wise <laughs> and well look when you come to atlanta canada you break it down in your note to uh, get a hold of me because i'll help you with uh, getting to where you need to go in, in this part of the world and of course the startup canada folks would be an awesome partner in helping you do that too uh, that's just awesome stuff very 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 cool and by the way folks it's dream girl without the s yes. so that's important to uh, to convey well um oh well here's one question i wanted to and remember I told you at the beginning of this I may ask you questions that aren't on the script well here I go again totally so, fine with it <laughs> okay cool um I want to what's the what's the what's the most impactful comment that you can remember and look if there's three or four it doesn't really matter but I'm more interested in a impactful comment that you would have had from somebody that saw a dream girl for you that resonated right to your heart so fast that you said wow that's why I did it you know, it's it's so funny. Um, just coming into the office, uh, one of the Startup Canada team members here just came up to me and, and she helped with some of the research for this podcast. Mm. And she just said, you know, thank you so much for, for what you do. And, you know, for me, it's strange because I, as much as I've been a part and like upfront for every part of the Dream Girl unfolding and the impact that the film's made and been at screenings and cried with audience members and had hmm. these incredible interactions, I am still in awe and in shock that something that I was a part of creating could impact people in a way that mm. moves them to mm. change their own lives. So another interaction would be... Um, uh, now a friend of mine, Tekla, she saw the film and joined us at the White House for the premiere. I met her the week before and I invited her to come to the White House uh, as we were organizing the final guest list. And she hopped on a flight and got there. And <laughs> it reinvigorated her. She works for, I believe it's Bank of Canada, and she really wanted to increase um, financial literacy for young diverse women uh, yes. here in the Ottawa community. And now her nonprofit is, is thriving. And she just wow. said the film was the spark that helped her do that. And there's uh. countless stories like that. There was a woman in Florida who started an all female 
a beer making festival that launched a couple months ago. And it's like, if I could map the domino effect of how this film like impacted women and enabled them to go for their dreams in entrepreneurship and beyond, I feel like I would just like have to crawl under the covers and be like, this is insane. <laughs> yeah. The high five on that. That is so cool. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, we got to continue on with other questions. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're a writer for Huffington Post and, and look, by the way, I would love to go through probably about another hour. What was it like to, to be at the White House and speak at the White House and so on. Yeah. But, uh, and so I want to recognize that as being very special in your journey too. But you're, you're a writer for the Huffington Post. As I say, you've spoken at cons, the White House and many, anymore, you know, um, what has, what have you learned from your experiences, uh, being published and across the internet and being asked to speak at these, uh, wonderful prestigious, uh, locations? Um, I would say that writing has always been a form of, again, like release for me and I'm learning more and more. Um, there's a quote that I love from Brene Brown and she says, rarely do we see wounds in the process of healing. And mm. that's important to me because, uh, and we're going to get to this a little later. Um, I've gone through a number of health challenges, uh, over the past year and a half and going through like some of the highest highs in my life, like being at the white house, being acknowledged by Oprah, um, all of these incredible highs. And then the lowest lows of, um, I, I was diagnosed with cancer last year and uh -huh. surviving cancer and, uh -huh. um, surviving, a, a, an intense brain or concussion at the end of last year. And then some more uh -huh. crazy stuff at the front of this year, um, writing and sharing and connection got me through so much of that. And so be, the place doesn't matter. It could be the White House. It mm. could be um, Parliament Hill. It could be with on get the Gary Vee show. It could be on the Oprah Winfrey. Show. It could be. It doesn't matter where. Mm -hmm. It just matters about the authenticity and vulnerability that you're willing to put forward in that moment or any moment. Mm. You know, when I'm meeting a stranger and asking them their story, or if I'm on stage somewhere that I've never been before and couldn't have imagined in my wildest dreams, it's can I show up 100% and can I walk away knowing that I threw down everything that I could in that moment and try and did the did my part in inspiring because I mm. think that's what I'm here to do. Mm, wow. Wow, wow, wow. I want to scoot right now into your year. We just talked about the high and we talked about some of the, the challenges and I, you know, I'm, I'm one, I'm very open about uh, the battles that I've had with depression and I consider it to probably be even one of the worst things that ever happened to me is one of the best things that's ever happened to me. Mm -hmm. And you know, how, how, uh, how, what have you taken from that journey with, uh, with your, with your cancer scare and uh, process? And, you know, I guess you're, you're it's, it's never beyond your mind as to you're having to deal with that. But what, what have you taken from that as your, in your journey of life? And, and, and how can you ultimately give advice to our listeners on uh, who might be going through a similar thing? I appreciate this question a lot. Um, and a big part of that is because in January, I made the active decision after, after getting sick in a different way this time with some neurological issues to step back from my life in New York and to step back from dream girl and the company and the high fly lifestyle that I was having in New York and move into rural Ottawa, uh, back in with my father-in-law and my fiance and mm. rebuild my health. 
wow. and pause from my career. And for the past six months, I've been mostly off the grid. And so mm -hmm. this is a bit of a, a, a me peeking my head out of my cave and saying, <laughs> world, are you still out there? Yes. Um, and and what look I would what happened when yeah. that happened. Yeah. yeah. Hey, yes, we are. We yes. want you. <laughs> <laughs> but it's like very, it's, it's discombobulating. I feel like any illness just, it destroys you. In your mm -hmm. psyche, in your well-being, in who you think you are, in what you think you are. Mm. My self-worth was so tied to my productivity for majority of my life. And it's only in this past six months that I've had to come to terms with the fact that I am a, I'm a whole wonderful human being. Whether <laughs> I am, you know, unable to get out of bed one morning, like I, I, I feel you as well with, with your experience with depression, because just having to make that choice at the beginning of this year, the past few months, depression has also been something that I've, I've been facing and, and working yes. through. Um, yes. but I feel like it's just, it's completely discombobulating. I read, uh, uh, option B, which is the book that Sheryl Sandberg uh, released recently uh, that recounted her experience with losing her husband. Um, and there's a chapter in it where she discusses the lack of confidence that can come after severe grief and trauma hits someone's mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. And it's not something we, we've ever been able to like qualify or talk about before because it's never been studied or shared in this way. Mm. And it gave me a framework to understand when I went back to New York in September last year after my second surgery, which was very traumatic for me uh, and my recovery, which was also very traumatic for me, why I could not perform at the level that I thought I wanted to or thought <laughs> I could or wished I could. And in, I beat myself up for four months and then I got sick again. And then I was like, you know what? The definition of insanity is doing the same thing over <laughs> and over and over again. So yeah, I'm going to try. <laughs> exactly. So I'm going to try something different. And so I hope like listeners who are going through, whether it's like, whether it's mental illness, whether you're going through something physical, whether someone in your life has been diagnosed, whether someone in your life has passed away and you just feel so lost that there is a path forward and that if you give yourself permission to heal in the way that you need to and recover in the way that you need to, you can come back stronger than you ever imagined. And that's where I'm at. You know, like I'm back in the gym. I'm working out again. I'm training for a half marathon next month. I'm starting to imagine what this next phase nice. of my company is going to be. And I didn't think I could be here six months ago. So mm. slow and steady wins the race. That's what my mom always told me growing up. <laughs> so. Yes, it's true. It, and, and she's right. And I, I always say, well, it's I say a lot of things, but one of them is the the, the turtle won the race, not the hare. First exactly. of all, <laughs> and second of all, some uh, another friend of mine uh, said to me once: sometimes you got to slow down to speed up. Yes, and I just uh, reflect on that when I'm having down days, and we all have them. And so I, I you know, I'm, I'm I appreciate you so much recognizing asking the question, but I appreciate so much you allowing us the opportunity to uh, to to get into that question with you because it's raw and it's important and it's storytelling. And um, and I know, I know, I know, I know from you and I discussing this today and the thousands of people that are going to listen to it, someone is going to be impacted by this little mm -hmm. conversation we just had right now. So thank you for allowing me to uh, to do that. That's, that's very, very cool. Thank you, Rivers. Um, you have, uh, you've worn many hats uh, from being a film producer and a public speaker. And, um, you know, I, we just went a little bit about the last uh, months of, of your life. Um, tell us about a, a day that is typical entrepreneur for Kamal. 
Mm. So as you know, like, as I mentioned, I've been on this hiatus. So uh. I'll give you two versions of those days. <laughs> okay, fair uh, enough. And the reason that I'll, I'll do this is because I want to give people a little peek into what I what was my version of insanity and now what is my version of rebuilding my life. Um, so the version of insanity was, I, you know, living in New York City, having gone through so much insanity um, and then I but, you know, managing as well as I possibly could. So and I would give myself a pat on the back for that. So I'd get up, you know, around <laughs> 7, 8 a.m. I really am a fan of morning routines. And uh, for me, a big part of my morning routine is meditation, journaling a solid breakfast, a cool. nice conversation with my fiance, and then getting to my phone. So that was really my like power, not hour, probably power two to two and a half hours. So it meant uh-huh. that I would start my work day at around 10 or 1030, but that I would get in the solid, you know, reflective foundation building time that I needed in the morning. Uh, and then I would head into the office or start working from home and we'd have a series of meetings. We'd always do our team check-ins in the morning, uh, meetings throughout the day, uh, different periods of work, um, you know, scheduled out as we do. Um, and then it was very important for us as a team to have a hard stop at, at five or 6 PM. And obviously that wasn't the true for every day because when we were on tour, it was 12, 13 hour days and uh. leading up to tour when we were organizing, it was 12, 13 hour days, but we really made it a priority in the company to have evenings and weekends be sacred time. But when it couldn't, we also wouldn't beat ourselves up for it. So, and, and right. that was my average day when, it, when we were in New York. Um, and, and unfortunately closer to the end, it was a lot more of those 10, 12 hour days, which, which did burn me out. Um, mm. So just being thoughtful and mindful of that. And now of course, it's, yes. a, it's a lot of health focus. So, you know, acupuncture is a big part of my life now, cranial sacral therapy, um, working out three, day, three days a week and then running in between, just getting, you know, getting that fitness back up, getting the overall health picture back up and now starting to integrate writing and uh, event or things like this back into my schedule. So mm. I, I want to give this as a, as a glimpse too, for people um, to just give them permission if they are in a recovery mode or if they're, you know, coming back from, from something big and major in their life that, you know, you can rebuild your schedule, but you do kind of have to hit a rock bottom. Like there were for, day, for sure days at the beginning <laughs> of this year when I couldn't get out of bed, but right. Now yep. I'm getting out of bed every day and it's progress. Yep. Been there, done that. Yep. Yeah. Those covers are right over your head. Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. That is so, so awesome. Um, we've, we've talked uh, uh, about your, your, your career in many different directions and we spent some time talking about, you know, the recovery side, but you know, there's other people that are looking and, or they're sorry, that are listening to this podcast and, and uh, visualizing your journey of being up there doing crazy stuff, uh, you know, taking on the world. Um, what do you say for people who want to take on the world? What's, uh, with, with their passion, with their joy, with their writing, whatever it is that they happen to be focusing on. Is it, do you have, uh, besides health? And I think, you know, it's interesting to talk about, about health a lot. I remember Richard Branson was asked once, what's the best thing you can do for your business? And everybody goes, go cash flow, teamwork and so on. He says, yeah. no, protect your health. Protect yeah. your health is what he said. So, so beyond that, if you're yeah. going to go to the stratosphere, you're going to, you want to really do big stuff. What are some key things that people need to, uh, need to think about from, from your perspective? Make everything you consume something that you can use in the future. And <sighs> why I say that is because, you know, I would spend hours on YouTube uh, early in university. And even to this day, like there's certain YouTubers that I watch every day. 
but I don't watch them just to like let my mind go numb. I watch them over and over again because these are some of the folks who are at the head of our industry. You know, I, I, Gary V's, Casey Neistat's, uh, Lily mm. Singh, these different vloggers and YouTubers or media makers who are, you know, and I love this by Gary V where he says, jab, 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 right hook. What are you giving for free? What is the <laughs> content you're creating? Um, so that people really see your value and that you want to give them something meaningful in their life so that when you're ready for that red, right hook, when you're ready for that, you know, giving them something to buy from you or purchase or put a monetary value to they're they're ready because they believe you they trust you they see your authenticity and they want more from you and they want mm. to support you so make everything you consume something you can leverage in the future so whether that's books whether that's television for me you know I'm I'm my career's in the film industry so I watch right. films very strategically um, so that's one thing I would say another I would say is like pace it you know, no one need, and again, this, this taps on health a little but I'll, I'll steer it away um, burnout's not sexy <laughs> long-term career building is sexy. And mm -hmm. a lot of the people that we look up to, especially for millennials, I think we forget this is like, you know, the people we're looking up to are in their forties and fifties, thirties, forties, fifties. They've got like two, one to two decades on us. Like give yourself a second to breathe, to pause, yeah. pivot, regroup yeah. and keep going. It's about yes. how we can do this for the long term, not how we can like just be like our 15 minutes of fame. It's like, how do you build this long term career? It's, it's by being thoughtful, strategic and being in it for the long game. Yeah, it's a. Um, uh, I'm, I'm going to say this very objectively, uh, but to reflect on or uh, re reflect and respect on what you just said. But the stats today show, anyway, and maybe that's going to change with the, your generation. But the the most successful people are in their 50s and 60s right now, mm -hmm. and it's because of learning, because of longevity, and not that they weren't successful before, but you know, really starting to hit that momentum piece. And yes, there's the exceptions to the rules, but it reinforces. Again, give yourself time mm -hmm. um, and enjoy the you know the proverbial journey along the way because it's uh, that that's 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 actually part of the the fun is the journey. It's not necessarily the destination, although there's really exactly. only one destination. Mm. Death, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's right. Just, I heard what somebody say the other day. As soon as we're born, we're dying. You exactly. Know, it's, so uh, you it's know, morbid, what are we, what but are it's we racing true. for? <laughs> and it's like it's when so you're true. when you're developing goals, it's like you know people are like, "What's your end game? What's your end game?" And it's like, I don't have an end game. I have a yeah, how exactly. long can I do this game? My game is like, how do I ensure that every day that I have the 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 privilege of being alive, I get to create or connect with someone in an incredible way. Uh, yes. so that's the legacy piece. And I also think like yes. when when anyone is thinking of the impact they want to have on the world, it comes back to legacy. It's like, what mm. do you want to be remembered for? And how do you want to be remembered for that? Mm. Love it. Love it. Love it. Who, uh, um, by the way, just uh, again, these, these, these raw moments that are, are important to converse about your family when they're up in Northern Alberta and you're, you're, uh, doing your battle in Ottawa or in New York at that time. How did, how did they support you? How did they, uh, uh help you through that, that process? Well, obviously still having responsibilities. Yeah, I think this is also another thing that a lot of young people feel or just people in general might feel apprehensive to talk about is like financial support. My parents, I wouldn't have been able to be 
as sick as I was and continue working the way that I did last year without the financial resources that my family mm. afforded me. And mm. they afforded me that from decades of hard work as first generation right. immigrants into Canada. And um, I actually asked this question to Marie Forleo when we were on set uh, filming Dream Girl. And I said to her, you know, like, what do you, what do you recommend or like suggest for millennials who feel this guilt for like having financial access and access to financial resources? Um, right. You know, our struggles are so inherently different than than or can be if this is a situation that you find yourself in. Um, sure. And how do you move forward knowing that? And she's like, it's your responsibility. It is your right. It is your, like, this <laughs> is what you have to do is like, you yes. have this opportunity. You do not waste it. If you waste right. it, then that is you like effing up yeah. majorly. And yeah, so yeah. when I hear that and I think of, <laughs> you know, how did my family support me my whole life? It's like, they allowed me to dream. Right. By not right. having to worry about financial pressures when I was young, you know, like I wanted to get a job in high school and my parents said no. So I covertly got a job at the <laughs> concession stand <laughs> at the hockey arena in my town because I wanted to go on a trip to Europe and my parents didn't want me to go. And I was like, I'm going to make the money to do it. So I got it. This, And then they found out through a family friend that I had a job. And anyway, so but they wanted me to focus so much on school because they didn't have that opportunity. So yes, I looked yes. to them to just say, like, my parents, like, they, if without them, I wouldn't be here today without them. Literally, yeah. I wouldn't be here today, but also just in terms of believing in my dreams, believing in what I'm doing, giving me the toolkit to like be able to connect with other humans. We're first generation immigrants. Like yes. they were sorry. And they helped like tens of people immigrate to Canada and have a better life. And when you see that kind of generosity, it imbues your whole life. So uh, yeah, they uh. helped me immensely. Uh, again, I appreciate you sharing that because it's a, you know, business life is a team sport and, mm-hmm. um, and you just reinforced the importance of, of your family as part of your team and helping you go for And I, and I know it, it, with only knowing, talking to you for 45 minutes that they absolutely uh, relished the opportunity to, uh, to, to, to help you along that journey too. There wasn't uh, any sense of, Oh, can we, can we not? No, we're just going to do it because of mm-hmm. a tight family uh, unit. And that's very, very cool. So, so all good high fives all around to everybody. And, um, uh, so, so, um, I know we talked about it. We talked about it uh, a lot, but tell me again, what's next for, what are you doing in the next, uh, in the next two months? Awesome. So the next, uh, two months, um, again, like we're on this, I'm going to expand that a little bit. The next sort of the next piece of my journey for me. And again, we, we love the journey, um, Mm. is it's important to me. I didn't have the capacity last year to bring dream girl to all the communities I wanted to across Canada. And so that's something that I'm prioritizing, um, as part of this next chapter Um, and really focusing on public speaking. When I'm on stage, I come alive and it's something (laughs) that just brings me so much joy. And just in terms of the breadth of life experiences so far and things that I want to share with the world stages are kind of where I want to focus and do that. And then the other part of this is something I chat, I alluded to earlier or chat, we chatted a little bit about was um, this private investment that went public. It was my first sort of experience being yes. uh, an angel investor in a private offering that that uh, made it to the TSXV and leveraging that and reinvesting and learning how to build my portfolio as a young investor and seeing how I can scale that and grow that. Um, and then eventually a big dream of mine is is to go to Stanford and, and do my MBA there uh, in, <laughs> in the next couple of years. So that, would, that yeah. is kind of, these are the things that I am starting to play with and 
can pick at and say when and how and what. Um, So that's what's on the horizon. Um, Would you mind if I uh, told everybody how to pronounce your name so that they could uh, ask you to be their friend on uh, on LinkedIn? (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Um, Because I am so fortunate. I mean, literally, I speak to most the most amazing people and I always think, how can it get more epic? And it keeps getting more epic. (laughs) And today is an example of that. I'm just just, uh, really honored to have this conversation today. Kamal and um, just uh, how you pronounce her name, or sorry, how you spell her name is different than how you pronounce it. <laughs> it's it's K O M A L. That's her yes. first name. And Minhas, it's M I N H A S. And um, being the where you're going, I, I think I think you'll be okay if we get some more fans along your way. <laughs> Thank you very much, Rivers. Yes, and I am down to connect with whoever would like to. Very cool. Well, thank you so much, my friend. It's uh, been epic. My word for this year is about epic, and you have been epic. Thank you for all you're doing, and I look forward to the opportunity of meeting you face-to-face. Thanks again. Thanks so much, Rivers. It was a pleasure. Thank you for joining us this week on the Startup Canada podcast, a show dedicated to unlocking the entrepreneurial potential of every entrepreneur with access to inspiring stories and tangible lessons to help you run your business. Want access to resources and support to grow your business? Visit startupcan.ca for the latest startup community news and upcoming events like our popular hashtag Startup Chats on Twitter every Wednesday and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern. Till next week, I'm Rivers Corbett leaving you with a sneak peek of next week's episode. Hi, this is Sierra Birchall, co-founder of Water Down Apparel and Miss Universe Canada 2016, and you are listening to the Startup Canada podcast. So Water Down Apparel, so talk a bit about the apparel part because you, uh, you, know, you do very important work with regards to uh, countries with 30 days of clean water for every item you sell. What's the apparel that you're making and how is it differentiated from you know, all the other apparel companies that are out there? Well, I think that maybe it's a little bit different, but I think the biggest difference is, is that it's stuff you may normally buy, a t-shirt, a pullover sweater, a tank top for your daily runs, but it actually has an impact on the world. And we're starting to see more and more socially conscious brands out there. And so for me, I just think if you can buy something, if you have an option to buy a regular t-shirt from wherever and a t-shirt that is able to give back, maybe locally, maybe nationally, Mm -hmm. internationally, and it just has that small impact and it's the same shirt, why not go with that one that has something that gives back to the community? And so for me, it's just that little bit of difference. It's maybe not the apparel that's that much different than what's out there, but it has it gives back in some way or another. And so if you start buying things here or there that you would normally uh-huh. buy, but that give back a little bit, you're piece by piece, little by little, just kind of making those little right. changes that could impact lives around the world. 